0: Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.
1: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. And Buck, it's uh it's almost the end of March, which means it's almost draft month.
2: Man, it is coming. Up on us quick. And I think after doing a week of pad to the draft, you realize how quickly it's coming. The information and the amount of time I am putting into the preparation has been crazy. No, this
1: yeah. is our weekend. It, 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 your weekends
2: are spoken for. Oh, they're done. All done. No time for anything else. Watching all, dudes. all Watching you know, words, dudes. tape, notes, everything. All right,
1: get, give everybody an idea what we got coming today. we got some fun topics today.
2: Oh, we got a lot of fun topics. One, we're going to start out with a blockbuster. Should the Giants trade OBJ? Which stock? Which players are we buying stock into? The tight end class evaluation. Takeaways from Josh Allen's Pro Day. Then we're going to play a little prospect roulette. Uh-oh. Wait, well, hold up. We got a drop. Sally, give us give us a drop. Hello, right, fellas. Ooh, Ooh. Roulette, fellas. The, the quarterback e- evaluation, the quarterback position. Nice. <laughs> Which guys do we want in certain situations in this 2018 draft class?
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. That came uh, out of a conversation I had with the uh, – Personnel executive, we were talking about different quarterbacks, and he he just said, "Hey, let's let's get into a situation where you're down by uh, a score late in the game. You only have one quarterback. Who would you take?" And it kind of got us going on this conversation. So we're going to have some fun with that uh, at the bottom portion of the episode. But let's start right up here at the top because at the owners' meeting, we had some discussion there. And the Giants, Mr. Morris said, "Look, mm-hmm. everybody's open for discussion. I'm not saying I'ma trade anybody, but everybody is open." And then you have the reports coming out from Ian Rappaport saying that Odell Beckham Jr. will not step foot on the field next year unless he has a new deal. So you're kind of putting two and two together, and these rumors are kicking around saying, hey, would they trade Odell Beckham Jr.? And then you know me, Buck. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I had to just get on Twitter and just lob one up there and see what what the response would be. And I did this fictitious trade and said, would you do it if you were John Dorsey of the Cleveland Browns? And here it is. It is. You trade pick number four. Remember, they have picks number one and four in the first round. Would you p- trade pick number four and pick number 33, which is the first pick Oof. in the second round? Oof. Basically two first-round picks. Two first-round picks. That's what Four and 33 for what many believe is the best, if not the best, the second-best wide receiver in the NFL in Odell Beckham Jr., who, by the way, you're going to have to give him a new deal as well. So you're going to have to pay him as well as give up those picks. Now, the reaction I got was varied. I got people saying expletive No. A bunch of people saying that. And then a bunch of people saying expletive yes. So people on both sides of it. So I want to get your thoughts on this trade, Buck. If you're John Dorsey, do you you maybe think about it? Is it a heck no or is it absolutely I'll do it? Is it one of those three? What do you got?
2: If I'm John Dorsey, I can do the deal fast enough. Because what you're talking about is a transcendent star. We talk about picking at the top of the board when you're picking top – five, that you need someone who is an impact player, a difference maker, what you would be doing would be giving up a top four pick to get everything in return that you say that you want. Odell Beckham Jr., first three seasons. You're talking about three straight seasons where he had over 1,300 yards. 35 touchdowns during those three years. Dude is averaging like 14 yards a catch, and he's basically doing it as a one-man band in New York, meaning a lot of slants, a lot of in-breaking routes because Eli Manning is not um, a guy who can use the entire field. Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland with Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon and a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. You couldn't you, – someone's going to get single coverage. I would like to think that you maybe have two to, of them. I mean, you would have to double Odell Beckham Jr., but then you got to deal with Jarvis Landry one-on-one in the slot, and Josh Gordon, who, when right, is a top-five receiver. I think for Cleveland, this is everything that you want. And if, I mean, if you have anything in the backfield, any kind of running game <laughs> with, with Carlos Hyde or whoever, Duke Johnson, you now have an offense that can challenge everybody in the AFC North to be able to put up points. I think for Cleveland, it's a no-brainer. For the Giants. I can understand why they would want to do the deal, but I'll say this with their offense. Odell Beckham Jr. makes their offense go. You take him out of the equation. Give me the numbers, Buck. Struggle.
1: Give me the numbers.
2: I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, we can talk about Eli Manning. If Dave Gettleman is serious about Eli Manning being a franchise quarterback, here are the numbers with Odell for Eli Manning. 63.3 completion rate, seven yards per attempt, 66 touchdowns, and 29 interceptions. Pass a rating of 91.5. Without number 13 Uh on the field. I I get a sense it's not the same, Buck. Without 13 on the field, 60% completion rate. That's a little lower, 3%. Only six yards per attempt. That's a yard less. 14 and 14 touchdown to interception ratio. Hit the panic button on that one. And a passer rating of 75. So we can sit here and act like Eli Manning is an elite quarterback, and he may well be. But what he is is a dressed-up Trailer. Wow. He was getting carried by Odell Beckham Jr. Wow.
1: That's strong. That is very strong. And to me, look let's look at it a little bit further here. Because the Browns, even if they parted, which it's a steep price, no no doubt, even if you parted with four and thirty three, they still have the thirty fifth pick. So let me just look at let me just give you a glimpse of what this offense. You touched on it here. But let's say you take number one Sam Donald, who we both kind of feel like that's mm. probably the safe pick and get right. your quarterback of the future. You line up Sam Darnold, that's your first pick. And then you've got Gordon Landry and now Odell Beckham Jr., easily the best receiving core in the league, not even disputable. Um David and Joku who is a very gifted young tight end. I think he's 20, 21 years mm-hmm. old, only going to get better. And then you you of course Sam is only 20 years old. You've got a really good interior 3. You need to find a tackle. But at pick number 35, just just probably should go tackle. I don't know if there's a tackle there for you that's mm-hmm. that's worth that pick. How about if they go Sony
2: Michelle? You know, and that's funny because they already have Duke
1: Johnson. Look at that offense! Football, yeah, Carlos I mean, Hyde. Your backfield would be your backfield would be Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Sony Michelle, with the receiving core of Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. Sign me
2: up for Madden. <laughs> sign me up for Madden. Madden eighteen. Sign me up. And I I, I think here's. The thing.
1: So well, well, hey, by the way, mention the connection because there's
2: a connection there uh, that this, could this, make the whole thing work. The, the strong connection because then if you're entertaining the trade, the first thing front office people do is they try and find people in the building that know the players. They'll talk player the player, they'll talk coach who knows the player. Where the new receiver coach, Adam Henry, Coach Jarvis and Odell at LSU their final seasons. Adam was with Odell with the New York Giants for a year or two, so he knows the player well. If you have an opportunity to put all those guys t- together and provided that Henry has a good relationship with them and he speaks favorably of them, you have the right situation. One, you have two players that are hold each other accountable. The one thing that I do know about Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., They are like the best of friends. And so if you can imagine that competition daily on the practice field, what they do off the field and making sure that both guys show up and do what they're supposed to do, I think you have a level of accountability already built in. Then you have a coach who also understands that. But then take it even a step further. How about Todd Haley? Todd Haley had to deal with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown and all that other stuff. And if you go all or the Tavis way back not easy to, deal to, with. to what he had, I think he was offense offensive coordinator in Arizona when they had Anquan Bowden and Larry Fitzgerald. Those guys are a lot of mouths to feed. boisterous, but he certainly understood how to get the ball to both of them. I think both guys had a 1,000-yard seasons with Todd Haley dialing it up. You now have almost a perfect storm in terms of the coaches and the players and all that blending in. You have people who understand how to manage those personalities. Better yet, you have people who understand – how to get production out of that. If you look at how spread the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense were, you was when he was at the controls, you now have that and then some in Cleveland. I can see Cleveland being like, oh, yeah, we'll take that. The only problem potentially – would be the money factor. Mm-hmm. because if All three of them want to get paid. All three of them are going to need to get paid. Well, last in the pecking order would be Josh Gordon. Gordon based off of not being a, a, available. Right. And right now you have him – Like, I mean, if you really want to be the bad guy, you're the Cleveland Browns. You have him on an exclusive rights deal, which means next year he'll be a restricted free agent, which means you can keep the money low for him. He may be unhappy, but like that's kind of like what he did to himself. Yeah. With Jarvis and Odell, what you would have to hope is that somehow – you could get them to understand, like, we want to do both. This would be, like, something that you guys maybe want. Like, if we can get, like, a little haircut. Yeah. A little haircut where both you guys can be paid at the top of the food chain, but both you guys are well compensated, maybe that would work. That would be the tricky thing, fitting the money in. But they, what, they're $100 under the cap. So, theoretically, they could do it because the quarterback, it's not going to command much money on a rookie deal. It's not going to That's much a luxury. Money. And then going back to what we talked about in Philadelphia and L.A., both of those guys got their young quarterbacks going because they surround them with vets. The yeah. vets are dependable and accountable. They're going to be at the spot. It makes it easy for the young quarterback to play.
1: And take the Patriots out of it because they're their own deal with Tom Brady. He's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Look at the Seattle franchise and how they went to a couple Super Bowls on a rookie deal with Russell Wilson. Yep. Look at Carson Wentz and the Eagles already won a Super Bowl on his yep. rookie deal. So being able to spend a bunch of cash on other pieces well, while you're on end. that rookie deal, give them all that front upfront money makes a lot of sense there. Now let me just play devil's advocate before we switch over to the Giants side of this. Okay, we, it's elephant in the room. We, a video of Odell Beckham mm-hmm. emerged. There's a lot of concerns there who he's been running with and, and what he's doing off the field. And you've had Josh Gordon. Maybe that's a toxic environment to bring Odell in there with Josh Gordon. Mm-hmm. Take the friendship with Jarvis Landry away from it and just say maybe this these guys wouldn't be good for each other.
2: Maybe. I think here, here's what you have to do. You have to do some some digging. You have to go to the position coach and ask him what he really knows and how was Odell in the building – um after. what happened now over there what that's happened? what
1: he, that video seven seconds it's tough to tell tough to tell you got to you got to you got to so straight gotta some, up what happened
2: you got to do some digging you got to make sure that um, the guy that you're bringing in one is going to be okay on his own accord but he's not going to take josh gordon down because
1: that could be the worst case scenario not only do you not
2: case. odell takes himself down he takes josh gordon down with him absolutely so um, but then on the flip side it could be a thing of where they hold each other accountable for how they behave and what they do or whatever. It's, I mean, there are a lot of things, a lot it's of layers. More, it's, it's on, a ga- I think it's a gamble. I think we would agree there is some risk involved. But, man, this is a payoff that could be
1: ginormous. You haven't been able to get the quarterback right since 1999. If those guys are okay off the field, on the field, I think it's almost like quarterback proof. Like, uh, how do you not be successful? Uh, you can't be. I mean, like, I don't know how you can fail with that. You with got one. Gordon's Gordon's open when he's covered because he's got freaky catch radius. And, and you about, you've got the other two guys with Landry and Odell, who short area separation are as good as it gets.
2: I Easy mean, throws. Catch and run plays. They have everything. We talk about the basketball theory. They got a big body guy in Josh Gordon. They got the catch and run specialist in Odell Beckham. They got here. the score. And then you got. Yep. Jarvis Landry, who can move the chains. Like, you basically have everyone designated in roles, and then it's just a matter of getting them to buy in. Like, hey, Odell, some games it's going to be your game where you may get eight catches. And Josh and Jarvis, you play the back. The other games it's Josh and Jarvis getting off and Odell. But I do know defense coordinators would not want to face that combination because I don't know how you cobble up your coverage to take away the big threats.
1: Yeah. you got to get a tackle, though. I mean, that might be something that they can do there at pick number 35 uh, instead of a tackle. Tackled
2: often. They just signed it. They, they got Hubbard. They brought yeah, over Hubbard, uh, Hubbard. for the
1: Steelers, but they need another one. They'll get another tackle in the mix. The interior three is really, really good. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it would be – I know one thing. The Browns, would, for a team that's won one game in the last two years, would be sure as heck be pretty darn interesting. Oh, sign me up for that one. Now, let's flip it over just real quick before we move on because I want to show the other side of this of what it could mean for the Giants. And you laid out the numbers of why it makes no sense for them to trade Odell because Eli is a totally different quarterback with or without him. But let's just say they did it. At two, they would then own picks number two, number four, number thirty-three and thirty-four. Okay. So I, I think in that situation, if you trade Odell, you're probably now you've traded uh, JPP, you've traded Odell. I we I mean this is a rebuild, right?
2: Yeah. I mean if so you, that leads to the quarterback. It, it 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 says that because if you're doing that, you're taking away, you're basically taking away Eli's best weapon, and so you're saying okay, Eli, you can't get it done. Yeah. The thing about it where I don't believe that it could necessarily happen, the GM is all in on Eli Manning. Yeah, He's all in on saying that he has two or three. You're trying to left. squeeze something out so, of him, then you're not so going to trade his best So now you're weapon. taking away weapons from him. It's tough.
1: Yeah, right. but just for the exercise, let's say quarterback at two. Where do you want to go? You want to go Rosen? You want to go? Yeah,
2: so we say Sam is off the board, so Rosen goes two
1: go Rosen to at 4 they could get they're going to get Chubb or Barkley. I mean, you could either one that's the other thing you say okay, we're going to lose a uh, we're going to lose Odell Beckham Jr. we're going to get Barkley and that'll take So Barkley takes take, Let's just put Barkley in there for fun. So you go Rosen and Barkley. You know, Chubb would be the other option to replace JPP, yep. but I just think if yep. you're trying to say okay, we can give Eli something you then give him a running back then you give him a running back although with Gettleman, it makes more sense to go big you want to you want to go chub there instead no no no
2: we we do that let's let's just look at it cuz we we're trying to
1: we'll do a couple different scenarios so rosen barkley then 33 um ah, man it's not a lot of edge rushers buck it's not an edge rusher. that's why it i think let's go manager. back let's
2: go back let's go chub let's go chub there because at 33 we can still get a back oh i mean we have i mean it's wide open like we talked about Sony Michelle. Michelle being there, I mean, you are, let's you go Geis, let's go okay. Geis, throw Geis in there, and you got pick. They got the next pick at
1: 34.
2: At somewhere,
1: the the only thing they got to get interior offensive line. They got to get interior
2: offensive line, and they got to get another receiver on the on the perimeter. Because right now, what you're looking at is you're looking at Sterling Shepard, you're looking at Evan Ingram, and nobody. Is there anyone? You have to look and see anyone in in free agency potentially that could come open because. The wide receiver that you get at 34 is not going you, you to be. You want to
1: give him Cortland Sutton?
2: Uh, that's a big guy. I mean, that's that's a big guy to go on the outside. So, then you have a bigger guy. So,
1: to- you'd have Rosen, Chubb, Darius Geis, and Cortland Sutton. You're in the rebuilding process right now. It's not a bad group of young guys to build around. No. But none of them are no. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I think. So anyways, it's a fun. It probably won't happen. Like we said, they're a different team with and without OBJ. So, don't expect anything to happen. But I thought that was a fun exercise to kind of work through here on the pod. Uh, guys that are uh, – we're buying stock in Buck. Let's uh, let's go through with some of these guys, just in terms of talking to folks around the league, what they've done um, in the postseason to help themselves, and just general buzz. Um, people think that's kind of a phony, made-up thing. No, when you start hearing the same names come up in conversations around the league, there's a reason for it. They've generated some excitement, and they're going to go maybe a little higher than people anticipated. The first one I wrote down here was Sony Michelle.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you think about Sony Michelle, why people are buzzing? Well, it's always the copycat effect. Everyone saw the impact that Alvin Kamara made on a bunch of, on the New Orleans Saints offense. You could argue that he might've been the best or the most impactful offensive weapon that they had based on his ability to create splash plays out of the backfield as a runner or receiver. Sony Michelle exhibits a lot of those same qualities. He's a guy that had 2000 yard seasons at Georgia. He can catch the ball out the backfield, even though his final statistics doesn't show that. I think you're, buying into the fact that this guy is Kamara-like and he's going to have an opportunity to make a big impact on your offense when you bring him in as a receiver or as a runner. That's why you're hearing more people talk about him in that light.
1: Yeah, and look, the more that I've seen of all these guys, I actually have Ronald Jones ahead of him. But Ronald Jones, you look at kind of the postseason for him, gets hurt at the combine. It hasn't been good. Doesn't do much in his pro day, drops the ball it's not great. So I, I really think he's leapfrogged, uh, Ronald Jones when it's all said and done in the long run. I think that's one of the reasons too, why you're hearing his name. I think some of that is Ronald Jones kind of coming back to the pack is, is well, also out of of sight,
2: out of mind, Yeah, because you didn't get to see him work at the combine because what you saw from him at the pro day, wasn't his best effort. Um, it is easier to become more enamored with the guy that's healthy that you see that you see a pro that you see do all the workouts and those things. So, I can understand the buzz building around Sony Michelle. All
1: right, give me another name here somebody that's- How about DJ
2: Moore from Maryland? Yeah. Uh this, his his name has popped up a lot of late. When we originally talked about the top list of wide receivers, his name wasn't very very mentioned, wasn't mentioned very much. Now he's beginning to be in that conversations as a possible first round pick. And so when you look at the tape, there's a lot to like. He's smooth, he's fluid, he's a good route runner, catches the ball well, has strong hands, wins the 50-50 balls um, at the catch point. And then he has some run-after-catch ability. Easy to to see him playing in an offense that features a lot of catch-and-run concepts, slants, crosses, things that allow him to get his hands on the ball and make things happen in space.
1: Here's the interesting thing about D.J. Moore, because I do know there are teams that have him as a top wide receiver. That's kind of one of my bold predictions from last week on PATH is that he could end up being the first receiver off the board, and I would not sleep on the Dallas Cowboys being that team with him, Buck. Um, when I look at it with him and let's just say him and Calvin Ridley, right? Because I think we agree. Mm-hmm. We both love Christian Kirk. I have Christian Kirk over him. I think Christian Kirk has a defined role as yes. a slot receiver, no question. I think D.J. Moore can play outside. But when when you compare Calvin Ridley with D.J. Moore, D.J. Moore is 21 pounds heavier than Calvin Ridley. Uh, it, it, they're the same height, basically. Calvin Ridley six oh four. Uh, DJ Moore is, is six foot even. He's faster than Ridley. Ridley ran 4.43. DJ Moore ran 4.42. He's just, he's stronger. He's physically stronger. And Ridley, some of the knock on him also being a little bit older hurts Ridley uh, in some regard. But I think DJ Moore's got more consistent hands. If you look at their drop rate percentage, which is, um, you know, I, I don't get super deep in an- analytics, but I have taken these numbers. I think they help when you're trying to put in context a guy's drops and hands. Uh, Calvin Ridley's 6% drop rate last year. DJ Moore, 3.6%. So he was more consistent catching the ball. He's stronger. He's more physical. I think he's tougher after the catch. Even though he timed faster, I thought Ridley played a little bit faster. I think yeah. Ridley's a little bit more polished as a route runner. Um but I think that's a lot closer than maybe people
3: anticipate with those two. Not We're, to mention, D.J. Moore went through how many quarterbacks last year, too? Oh. Like, I think well, yeah, they, but they I went mean, through, like, it, three quarterbacks in week one. Yeah, Alabama you know? Alabama wasn't necessarily
1: uh, lighting right. the world on fire with True. how they threw the ball either, though. That, that's a good point. But, yeah. um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a legit chance that D.J. Moore ends up being the first receiver book. Ooh. I I think it's legit. I I think there's a real chance there. I know for a fact there are teams that have him as a top receiver in this draft, and it would not shock me if he was the first one to go.
2: Wow. Now, in looking at both of them and studying both of them, I I studied both of them very, very closely over the weekend. Um, I think the big thing for me with Calvin Ridley over D.J. Moore, I just believe route running matters. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a polished and more advanced route runner when it comes to what he does uh, against press and what he does at the top of his route. I think his ability to separate against really good corners um, is going to be a skill that translates to the pros. D.J. Moore is bigger. He is more physical and faster um, time, but I just feel like Kelvin really is a little more explosive. Mm -hmm. And I think in the right offense – He's going to be dangerous. I, here, here, the comparisons that I have for both players, Calvin Ridley I liken more to a Reggie Wayne-like guy. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore I kind of compare it to Devontae Adams. And he's faster than Devontae Adams, but the way that he plays on tape reminds me a lot of what the Packers receiver has been able to do. Both very, very good players. I just lean more towards Ridley over Moore. I can see why there's some love in terms of Moore over the other guys that come behind yep. him. I just can't give him the nod over Ridley. Yeah, good look, conversation man. though, good chat in the the meeting room though, because that's what happens when when the numbers come back and we start looking. And you have coaches looking at the draft board and they're looking at the card. Yep. And those numbers, those and cards, it,
1: yeah, those cards are up on the wall, and that's why I'm saying like when you're comparing guys, and that's that's going to come up. Well, hold up. It, He's 21 pounds heavier. He's faster than he is. He's bigger. He's younger. Yes. He's I mean, all those tougher. Things. You know, like all that stuff, like that's part of the discussion and the debate that comes up in the room. So, um, I, look, I have Calvin. I have I have it. Ridley, Kirk, Moore is my order. Um, but I'm just saying that there's buzz. There's I, legit buzz. On well, the I think
2: I think those those three are definitely in the mix. It's funny because I went back and I looked at and So, I believe there is a divide. Where does Sutton fall in for you? I you know I gotta I gotta kind of revisit it's like four what, or five like yeah. here's the thing like with bigger guys and what the challenge in evaluating big guys in a spread offense you wonder how much of what they do is going to translate in the National Football League. He's kind of a speed releaser, a one cut runner, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't a know how much bit of a you can have. Yeah, I don't know how, how much success you can have. Um, Doesn't get a lot of separation. And doing that. And his huge catch radius. Huge catch radius. But he also got shut down in some of the bigger games, like TCU didn't have a great game. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see. I think someone has to like him. I think someone has to envision him as a Marcus Colston type and make him a big slot receiver as opposed to he's gonna play outside and be plaxico
1: burst. No, that's interesting. Well these receivers are, are pretty fascinating. Uh next guy that I'm buying stock in and he is he is gaining some steam. I got on this train a little while ago but B.J. Hill, a defensive tackle from NC State Bucket. Sounds like the more D-line coaches that work him out, the more the buzz is building. Um, I believe he had a better three-cone time than, than even Bradley Chubb did, his mm-hmm. teammate, at sixty six oh three two he's so over 6'3", 311 pounds, ran 4.99. But uh, good quickness. I, I think the whole, the whole feeling on B.J. Hill was he's going to be even a better pro than he was in college. A lot of, More of a disruptor than a production guy yep. when you watch him, but the traits that exist
2: there, you can see it and you can forecast in the future what this kid can be. Rock-solid, blue-collar worker. Um, guy that is going to win with his, his, his strength, his toughness, his tenacity. You talk about not necessarily being a production guy, but a disruptive guy. Well, we all have seen guys at the point of attack who can make things happen. If you think about what Tim Jernigan does in Philadelphia, he doesn't always reflect in the stat sheet, but his ability to kind of be an irritant inside creates opportunities for others. With B.J. Hill, you're getting a player that is like that, tough and physical at the point of attack. And because of that, he can occupy blockers to allow others to go make plays. And there's always a value for that kind of player on the D-line. Yeah, no, he's – He's something we definitely
1: keep an eye on. I have him at I think forty two right now oh, on my list. I think he's gonna go early second round. Uh there's definitely definitely some some buzz on him. Give me another name here, Buck.
2: Rashawn Evans, linebacker from Alabama, you know, like here it's so funny because everyone recognizes that he's a really good player, but we rarely talk about He Doesn't about get him. talked about. We rarely talk about him as one of the top players in this draft class. We talk about Roquan Smith a yep. lot. We've talked about Tremaine Edmonds a lot, but we haven't talked about the big-time playmaker from Alabama, what I like about his game, I like the violence, the physicality, and the instincts. He is a grown man in between the pipes. He does a great job of smacking runners in the hole. He has a little pass rush ability Mm -hmm. that is really not really discussed. This is a really, really solid player. We talk about at the bottom of the first round or from 15 to 32, you want to make sure that you just hit the ball in the fairway. I think he is a guy that gives you an opportunity to hit it right into fairway to continue to play.
1: Yeah, I'm uh I'm a big fan of his man. I, I go back. Sometimes it's just those one one or two plays that stand out on a guy. And when you watch him against Hunter Renfro in the slot mirror and then break up a pass mm-hmm. and I see that at you know, he's almost six two, two hundred and thirty plus pounds and he can he can move like that. And he's aggressive inside-outside versatility. He's one of the few guys that can actually a- attack and take on blocks and get off. I have is the 19th player in this draft bucket. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, though. I feel like we don't talk about him. And we don't. He's going to talk.
2: We don't we don't talk enough about him. He's a really good player. He's. I'm telling you, there are holes where teams need to fill that linebacker spot. We talked about in the 20s. I think he's going to go. And then on draft night, we'll end up having these great conversations about him when we should have been discussing him the entire time
3: so like you said the debate's been smith versus edmonds the whole time is is evans really solidified himself as that one c guy right there behind him
1: yeah i mean look i have those other two guys as top 10 players so actually I have roquan at number 11 but he'll probably sneak into the top 10 before before my finalist comes out buck but um he's not that he's not that far off he's at 19 i think he's trending up i mean i think there's a chance he's a top 15 type player i think all three of those guys go in the top 15. There's a legit chance.
2: I, I mean, certainly, the the way it's looking, especially with the quarterback run, other stuff, there are going to be teams that are down there looking to fill positions and get solid players. So, yeah, we could see three go in the top 15. I think also it falls in a sweet spot where that position becomes a huge need right in the middle of the first-round board. No
1: question. All right, let's stay at that same school at Alabama. Uh, last one here that I'm buying some stock in is Ronnie Harrison. Buck, I – you might think this person's crazy, but I was talking to a personnel executive the other day and said uh he said he has Ronnie Harrison over Minka Fitzpatrick.
2: I can see that. And here here's what here's what's happening with Minka. But we'll talk about Harrison first and then we'll go yeah. to Minka. Harrison, his role is definable. Yep. And a lot of times in drafting, you want to hang your head on certainty. If I take this player Here's what he's going to do for us. This is the production he's going to bring. This is how he's going to impact the game. When you're looking at a guy that is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, you just don't know what you're going to get if you can't have a clear vision for how to play him. So, yeah, I can see how Ronnie Harrison is doing that. And also when it comes to Minka, Minka is a very solid player, solid blue-chip player. But when you really dig into his game, What is the exceptional Mm -hmm. quality? What's the one thing that separates him from the other guys at the top of the board? The versatility is there, but no one believes that he's a pure corner. Um, He's pegged as a safety, but he doesn't really play in the post consistently. So you just don't know. It's a little more subjective. Whereas with Ronnie Harrison, we see him line up in the same spot every play, and he has a very, very good game.
1: Yeah, it's uh, – look, I'm still – I know it seems like this this whole trend around the league is kind of moving away from Minka and that Minka's dropping and falling. I still have him as the sixth best player in the draft. I think, he's in, he, I think he brings a lot to the table, especially when you can use him as kind of that big nickel and be able to blitz him and be able to f- use him as a force player there. I, I like him in that role a lot. I like the ability to be the high safety as well, but I, I'm with you. On some of the concerns, saying he does all these different things, but what does he truly excel at? Whereas Ronnie Harrison, who I have uh, right now, I think I have Harrison. Let's see, I have him as the 38th player, and he's going to go in the first round, so he's going to go higher than that. He is a you can be him, line him up as your box safety. He is an outstanding force player and a physical tackler, reliable player against the run. He's smart. He's tough um and again you just know exactly what he's going to be you feel comfortable with him where his floor is extremely high
2: yeah i mean i think i think it's it's easy we talk we talk about the big thing that you want to do in the first round like yes everyone wants to hit a home run but at the end of the day you can win a lot of games hitting doubles yeah you just get a bunch of solid players he's a very very solid player you understand exactly what he brings he's going to give you the effort he's going to be tough he's going to be physical he can cover um I know you got a little B for this, but I'm about to say it. He checks off a lot of boxes. Yeah. Did you see he that He checks tweet? off a lot of boxes. Nice. He checks off a lot of boxes. I got that, heat. So I got heat. You guys, guys wanna, have been throwing that check, around a lot, check, evidently. Yeah, yeah, we won't check, check boxes. I got
3: heat on that. We'll check boxes. Now now it's just uh, it's just you, DJ? Is yes. that the rule
1: now? Yeah. Somebody For those who don't know, somebody on Twitter said, can you and all of your colleagues in NFL Network stop using the phrase check the boxes? It's the most tired uh, cliche from the draft season, please stop using it, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll talk everybody else uh, into not using it. Then I get to use it all by myself, I think and it, then it that takes way a week. it's not
3: overused, and I still get to say it. It's it, a win. It takes a week of calling people out, and then it'll go away. And yeah. then maybe, I don't know, halfway through that next week, then you start saying it again, and then – I don't have it's a problem with check the boxes. I really don't. I don't think it's
1: a bad thing. I think we're, we were uh, – somebody just had a bad day. and mm-hmm. they, they, they wanted to express that. All right, Buck, let's go through real quick here on some tight ends. Um, just just a couple thoughts on them and then we'll move on because I know we want to play some uh, prospect roulette on these quarterbacks. But the top tier of tight ends for me, I have Hayden Hurst and Dallas Goddard. Those are the two I have in my top 50. Uh, right there but I just finished up Ian Thomas from Indiana and I love I love his game so if I was going to go tiers of tight ends Hayden Hurst from South Carolina and Dallas Goddard I think if Goddard was healthy he there's a chance he might even uh, of leapfrog Hurst and I think there's still a chance he goes ahead of him but those two guys are clearly in my top group and then this next little clump here this would be a good cluster buster for us on path to the draft Uh, Gasecki from Penn State Ian Thomas Chris Herndon from Miami, who got hurt at the end of the year. We don't hear a lot about him. That's that next tier for me, Gusecki Thomas Herndon. Mm -hmm. The one that probably surprises some people that I don't have in that second tier uh, would be Mark Andrews, um, who's, you know, look, obviously he's tested very well.
2: You're down on Mr. Andrews from Oklahoma. I'm not well, a huge Andrews guy. You know, you know, like guys that catch pop passes over the middle field, wide and open, break, and, then, break and then and then just kind of brace happen.
1: for the hit or run out of bounds you know, all the time. Preservation. I don't know. I, look, he's he's going to go much higher than I have him uh, slotted. So in it's me. funny that's that, how I have him.
2: Okay, so you're down on him. The guy that um, is right above him, Troy Fumagalli. Yeah, I have a tendency to like. I think. If you go back and you look at the history of Wisconsin tight ends, they somehow find a way to. You play going back the to league. Owen Daniels on me? Uh, Owen Daniels, uh, there, there was a handful of them. They had a, sh- a run of them. Yeah. And I can't remember because all the names are clattered together. <laughs> but um, they all have a tendency to be able to play a part of that. No, it wasn't that terrible.
1: Jerm- Gresham went to Oklahoma. Yeah, he was there with he was there with Peterson. Yeah, but I'm talking about Fumagalli from Wisconsin. Oh, sorry,
2: sorry, you're going to Wisconsin. Wisconsin.
1: What are the Wisconsin tight ends that you're talking about? What are
2: you here? We're talking about you Owen, said, Daniels, Owen that's Daniels. That's the only I can no, think of. Oh no, 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 that was a handful of them. Now I got to go on the computer. Oh no,
1: great. Uh, um, so anyways, you're are anyway, a
2: big Fumagalli guy. Fumigalli, I, I think he can he can line up. He's
1: he in that third. Games. He's in the third tier for me. Third tier. You got him way down. No, I got him in the third tier. Okay. Yeah, but I know you don't like. We got some blocking tight ends a little bit later on down there too. You can get the the Washington kid Will Disley. Durham Smythe from Notre Dame, and then uh, you've got Izzo from Florida State and Wells from San Diego State. Actually, I think there's a decent number of day three tight ends. You always talk about there's no blocking tight ends. There actually are a few in this draft. There's a four or five of them you could find there on. Yeah, you know, on like, day number three. I like pass catchers. Yeah, yeah that's why they're guys, that, that's guys, why
2: they're day three. Guys that can guys that can put.
1: put but, have you, but this kid, Ian Thomas from Indiana, man. I was a big fan of his. I think he's a second-round talent. He's really, really gifted.
2: He is really gifted. He showed up at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and just bit. I
1: just got a chance to dig in and, and finish up his tape. But, um, you know, I have those two. Oh, uh,
2: here we go. Owen Daniels, Travis Beckham,
1: Garrett Graham, and Lance Kendricks. Okay, Lance Kendricks.
2: But all those guys play in the
1: league. Yeah. Well, you know, Come on. Eh, uh, nah, they play. I'm not all that fired up about that list, to be totally honest with you. I'm just saying. I don't know if that's—I don't know if that's the argument you want to take into the draft room. <laughs> that's one of those ones, like, hey, you know, hey, there's a there's a history of, of, of productive guys in here, like, really? Who? And then you read that. Oh, list. and Daniels, injured. Okay, well, Lance how high how Kendrick's. high do we want to take? How, what was the other two? Give me the other two. Garrett Graham. Okay, how high do we want to take this guy, Garrett Graham? I mean, what, what do you think? Because I've compared Gasicki to kind of like a poor Cyrus man's Becker. Jimmy Graham, but if we want to take Garrett Graham, then let's go ahead and do that. Garrett Graham is that it? Uh, remember this. Garrett Graham. Garrett Graham was a safety. Um, all right, that's enough tight end. Travis
2: Beckham was taken in the third round.
1: I know. He didn't, did he do anything? I don't know. Maybe I don't think, Giants, right? Yeah, he got, maybe got hurt a little bit. I think he wore number nine. Did he wear number nine at Wisconsin? I, I think know. he might have had injuries. I like
3: those weird numbers. He had three. Yeah. I'm big fan. Three touchdowns.
1: Three career touchdowns. Tight end. Yeah, way to do your guy a favor there. De- defensive um, tackle,
3: single letter. <laughs> large fan of that. Oh yeah, that's nice. I'm one of those guys. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, let's uh, Buck. I think we we kind of hammered the Josh Allen Pro Day thing on the air the other day. Oh, but just so. real quick, any takeaways, final takeaways there? Because we do have the 360 coming up.
3: When is the Josh Allen 360 dropping, Sully? Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Okay,
1: so be on the lookout for that. If you haven't checked out the 360 series, we already have Lamar Jackson, Derwin James, those are both doing great. Uh, people seem to really dig those. So if you haven't checked those out, check those out. We talked to high school coaches, college coaches, you know, the whole deal. It's it's a, it's a fun episode. And the one on Josh Allen, we've got coming up Thursday. A lot of interesting insight on that one as well. But just any final takeaway from that pro day, Bucky? He, he threw the crap. Out I mean, of you. I think I think
2: you you said it all. Whether it was on path or the pro pro day show, you said no one has taken advantage of the off season better than Josh Allen at the quarterback position. In in terms of a guy that has really reversed or sent his stock kind of climbing, he has been able to do it. We saw him at the senior bowl show up. We saw the athleticism, the arm talent, played really well in the second half. We saw him at the combine, throw it all over the yard. Very, very impressed with the way he spins it. And then at the pro day, same thing. Being able to spin it, being able to spin it on the move. Those are the things that were very, very impressive. And so the further we get away from The football season, the better he looks in the eyes of scouts, and so he's going to continue to take advantage of this, and he's going to work his way into the top five as a prospect based on the way that he has handled himself throughout this offseason.
1: And by the way, some of the discussion that we've had on the podcast here, we've had it on Path to the Draft, and it happens on Twitter daily. You've got there. There's no very few people have middle ground on Josh Allen. It is hero or zero when you talk about the opinions. They're all over the place. I can tell you from talking to folks around the league the same conversations we're having they're having.
2: Oh yeah. I mean the rooms are split. The room the rooms are split. The guys that are all in are all in on his development potential. Coaches can't help themselves but become intoxicated by what he puts out on the field. He's a big athletic dude who can throw it a mile and you're always wondering if if I can just yep what would I have? And so Josh Allen will benefit from that part the intrigue behind his athleticism and talent. I mean, you originally throughout this comparison I took it out, like it's kind of like the Cam Newton factor. Like yeah. he has a lot of big time qualities that you want to build around. But you just have to know going in, it's never going to look pretty over a sixty minute game. But the flashes could be enough to win a lot of games with him.
1: Yeah, I came down to the three Ts just to kind of sum sum it up for Josh Allen. The talent you cannot deny the talent. There's still major concern with the touch, even though you saw you know, Pro Day in shorts and that look great, but still this talent is there. The touch is a concern, and the key is time. He's going to need time. So don't rush him onto the field, whoever takes him, and he is going to go way up there. So that's my, my kind of my final takeaway on Josh Allen. The talent is there. The touch is a concern, and he's going to need time.
2: And so here it comes down. It dovetails into something that I wrote about in a notebook about kind of the evaluation period, and I think we had a nice discussion on PATH where we talked about best player available versus team need, and as it pertains to the quarterback, uh, you and even Coach Moore talked about, look, in most instances you always take the best player available. Mm -hmm. You can't go wrong taking the most talented player. However, quarterbacks are viewed a little differently because if you're at the top of the board and you don't have a quarterback and there's a B-plus quarterback – you have to take the quarterback over the position player because it's the most important position. You have to have a quarterback to really be a consistent contender in the league. The issue that could arise, particularly in a draft like this, you could have the 2011 factor where some guys talked themselves into guys that no one necessarily viewed them as top guys based on what they saw in the fall. In 2011, we saw Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbard. Christian Pond to go in the first round. And if you go back and look back, if you really did the study of their collegiate careers off tape, we would say those guys should not have been drafted where they were taken. In this draft where we're hearing conversations of four quarterbacks going in the top six, we just need to be careful and make sure that we're aware that the guys that we're talking about in that in that category, that top five category, that those guys have enough qualities.
1: That's why, that's why I, I use that same phrase is – it's okay to elevate a player, do not create a player. Yes. Where one doesn't exist. And that's what happened the ponder, Gabbert, yep. you know, Locker year. Those guys were not elevated a little bit, they were created from thin air.
2: And then so then it's not only like where you take him, so now you take him he's your quarterback. Can you elevate him? Yeah. Because if it's a situation where you look at the quarterback and you're like, Look, he's not going to make us necessarily better, but he's a really he has the potential to be a solid starting quarterback if we go and get him the stuff that he needs to do it we saw that in LA one year they're talking about golf being run them out of town a bust the next year He's a Pro Bowl caliber player because they surrounded him with the right stuff. So it's a collaborative effort, front office, coaches, to make sure you develop a guy. You take a guy that high, that high, you have a plan in place to allow him to play at a high level. Let's play a little quarterback roulette, Buck. Ooh, I
3: like
1: that. Let's L- do it. Let's
3: go. You got the topic, Sully. So you key up the topic, spin the wheel, and let's go. All right. First, very first topic, and before we dive in, we'll do this throughout, our, uh, throughout leading up to the draft. We'll do it during our video show. We'll spin, spin the prospect roulette wheel on wide receivers, running backs. But we'll start off with quarterbacks. Spin the wheel. So let's spin this thing. And almost need a drum roll with this thing. All right, here we go. All right, first one. one. quarterback, quarterback uh, down four, two-minute drive at their own 30-yard 30, 30 line. Go. You can have one quarterback in this draft down four, two-minute drive at their own 30-go buck.
2: Oh, Sam Darnold. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it happen too many times. I saw it happen – Versus Texas, I saw it happen versus Utah. I saw it happen in the Rose Bowl. I have enough visual evidence to know that in a two-minute situation, I can give the ball to Sam Darnold, and he'll find a way to get it to the winner's circle.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And all the reasons that you just said, I would take Sam Darnold in that situation. I've seen it done. Um, the poise he has in those moments um, has been outstanding through through a couple of years. There's a lot of examples you just cited. Um, to me, is his one of his key strengths is his ability to keep his heart rate low. Um, which when you watch him it's it's pretty evident all right let's go go another
3: one what we got all right here we go sam darnold this this could be uh Sam darnold too L- another late game situation okay. talking about keeping that heart rate down fourth and nine late
2: in the fourth quarter Ooh, I got one go the biggest thing that you have to have in a situation like this as a play caller you have to have someone who can always make you right. So I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. Oh, nice. Because if I call the wrong play, I can always tell them like, hey, if you don't like it, take off. Yep. And sometimes those takeoffs are 75-yard touchdowns. So Lamar Jackson on fourth and nine, that is what I want to I have that option that if I call the wrong play, someone can make it right. Lamar Jackson is the guy that can make it right.
1: Wow, that's a good one. I like that one, Buck. Um, a lot of different places to go here. I think, though, Fourth and nine, late in the fourth quarter. I think it comes down to me between Baker and Darnold. Um, hmm. Oh, man, that's tough. Fourth and nine, late in the fourth quarter. I like your Lamar Jackson take there. I might go Baker. I might go Baker because I do think Baker can extend the play a little bit, create, and make something happen. I don't think he would do it with his legs, uh, but I think he'd be able to touch it up and, and get me those nine yards. So I'll go Baker Mayfield. What's the next one here?
3: Ooh, another late-game situation. Two-point play to win the game. Go. Ooh. mm Two point
2: play, Buck. Uh, wow. All right, so here, here's where we can go because you always like to go on visuals, and I think we have a visual of this. Do Do we have a visual against Tennessee? If someone
1: Baker, yeah, buying time,
2: orchestrating yeah, orchestrating a couple years oh ago. Oh my goodness, win. yeah. So I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with that. I, I feel think, Baker. I've seen games on the line. I'm like, hey, attaboy, a boy, go do it. So I think I'm gonna go with Baker Mayfield. Two in point a very situation. hostile crowd. That people have road. said that
3: that's. The loudest Nealon's ever been. That I th- game. He did go. it. And he did it in that, yeah. that situation. I, so. I think
2: I'm I think I'm gonna go there. Just enough running ability mm-hmm. to score from two and a half yards out, but as a improvisational specialist can buy time and finds a way to release the ball from different uh release points. I, yeah. Baker Mayfield in that situation I'm going. Oh,
1: right, I might surprise you with this one. I'm gonna go with Josh Allen. Cause I can run quarterback power at six. Five plus 240 pounds, and let See, him just run somebody there, over. There you go. That's or the Cam, I could boot Cam Newton. Effect. That's what I'm saying. Cam that, Newton. Effect. And how effective have we seen Cam Newton in those in those roles? I could also boot him, get him on the move, use his mobility a little bit. Um, so I think his size and physicality as a runner in a short yardage situation, as well as his ability to buy some time and, and make something happen. I right, go. Josh Allen, with the two point play. Spin that wheel. All sorry. right, let's do
3: this thing. Two left here on the prospect roulette. Two last two situations. Playing with a terrible roster, which quarterback out of this draft ah. class would you want to play with? Interesting, Buck. Hmm.
1: So you're a team this drafting. you got to throw them on the field, and the team is terrible. Who's got the best chance to survive that thing?
2: <laughs> Ooh, I think it comes down to two guys, because I think they play with undersold rosters during their time. A little bit. I think it comes down to Sam Darnold. And I think for shucks and giggles, I think you could talk about Lamar Jackson because that's kind of like a high school thing. Right? Yeah, The ball in the hands of your best athlete. In this situation, for the NFL, I'm going to go with Sam Darnold. And the reason I go with Sam is because I believe from a confidence standpoint, he won't wilt under yeah. the, the chaos of having to carry the squad and that the lack of success that he might have wouldn't crush him going forward. That's just based on his competitive spirit and what uh, we've discovered about him in this process. So my guy would be Sam Darnold in this situation, playing with a terrible roster. I'll I'll go with him because I feel like he's built to kind of handle the adversity and he can come back from it.
1: Yeah, I would go with Darnold as well, and that's kind of my where I was leaning. Lamar Jackson does make some sense because you could just give yourself over to a whole new style of play with Lamar Jackson if your team's not very good and just, just go for it. Let him run around, make all kinds of plays. Um, that would probably be my second choice. If Josh Rosen was durable, I think he would have a shot with a bad roster because I think he can get you in and out of plays. He can get the ball out and be accurate and do some things. Um, but we've seen him with a not great roster, not win a lot of games, and we've seen him get hurt. So um, I, I would lean towards Darnold on that one. we got time for one more.
3: All right, last one. I, I think I had a, have a feeling where you guys are leaning from uh, where you guys were talking about uh, out, maybe a, a bigger quarterback with a large arm earlier that you need to build the pieces around him. But last situation, playing with a loaded roster, which quarterback?
2: Okay, so got all uh, kinds of talent around him. Oh, playing with a loaded roster, I'm gonna go with Josh Rosen. Yeah, because to me, I think Josh Rosen. You surround him with talent. You surround him on a team that is good and ready to go. I think he is. He has a, a ability. He has the ability to get them to the winner's circle. I think with some of the other guys, uh, it may take a little while. But in terms of most ready to play right now, day one, I think Josh Rosen would be the guy that could be a rookie that could step in and do. Kind of like a Matt Ryan type thing. Even a Joe Flacco because I think Joe Flacco yep. stepped in and did that.
1: Yeah, this is scary. Normally me and Bucky don't agree this much. I think that one I would go with Rosen too. You told me I, even if it was just a, a loaded offensive line, you told me you can protect him. Um, Josh Rosen I think is going to be wildly successful if he gets in a situation where he's got those pieces in place. So I would go there. That
3: was fun. little uh, prospect roulette there. Prospect roulette. Yeah, look for that to, to come out on video uh, next time we do that guy. Have a little. We're, we're breaking the bank on uh, little graphics being made. Some, uh, some uh, maybe maybe a little uh, uh, roulette style uh, graphics. Don't want to get too deep into it. But.
1: Sully, I don't. I'm not. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to over exaggerate here. But I feel like we're in a nice rhythm on the show.
3: We're in. We're in a pretty good rhythm right now. I, I mean, mean, what did we just do? How long was that? We just did. This right guy there? is uh, almost coming up on fifty minutes. Fuck! How easy is this? We could go. We could go hours okay, talk talking about ever. this stuff. One one of the uh, more entertaining draft classes, I feel like, the last few years. Yeah, we've
1: got a lot, a lot to talk about. We're going to keep rolling on Move the Sticks. And we've got uh – We've got the Josh Allen 360 coming up, so be on the lookout for that. We've got. Can we tell them some of the other guys that we've got coming? We got Saquon Barkley coming
3: down yep, the pipeline yep. here. we Got Barkley, uh, and then we've got got a Rosen, few other quarterbacks Rosen, coming out. Yeah. Darnold. There'll be one a week. Uh, Couple more up to the draft. Yeah, That's we got right. a
1: lot, a lot of content coming your way. Uh, I did notice again that uh, we've got some more reviews and ratings there on uh, Apple. Podcast, we appreciate you guys doing that for us. That does help. Uh, the buzz is building, the numbers are growing. The podcast is is doing great, and we appreciate you guys listening and uh, and sharing it with a friend. It uh, it's been a fun ride, and Bucket, we got a lot of content. We switch in April three a week. We got three. oh, it's so crazy so three crazy. a week, so much work. So lots to come, a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time. Thanks for downloading
0: Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.
1: There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen, so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com
0: slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese.